Welcome guys to One Church, and welcome to our At The Movie series. The first video you saw there was the story of life change. One of our young men who was on, at camp this week recorded that video for us, and uh, we actually baptized him at the 9 o'clock service, so you guys got to see his story. Um, what you're experiencing now is where we take movies, and we've been doing this for a couple of weeks, and we unpack the way that they a lot of times greatly illustrate what God has been trying to teach us through uh, just the history he's recorded in the world. Two weeks ago, Chris talked about the movie Frozen, and uh, he explained how fear can literally freeze us. Uh, last week, a lo- uh, Dave introduced us to a movie many of us hadn't seen called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. In fact, let's do a quick poll. Who watched that movie recently in response to that movie? Yeah, great movie, great movie. Uh, this week, we're going to unpack The Hunger Games, the popular book and movie series, and I want us to look at it in the sense of impossible odds, what it does, uh, what it takes to beat impossible odds. Now, many of you maybe have not read the books or seen the movies, so let me get you up to speed. Okay? The Hunger Games is about a country that exists where there are 13 districts, and 74 years ago, a generation ago, those districts tried to overthrow the capital, tried to overthrow the government. Didn't work. So many of those districts have been reduced to kind of almost slave labor and poverty. And in addition to that, all of the districts, every year, every year, they have to gather up all their teenagers uh, they have to participate, the teenagers have to participate in a lottery. And they draw names and one girl and one guy goes into a gladiator competition where they literally fight to the death. And the purpose is for the districts to experience year after year the pain of war so that they never want to rebel again. It's about setting up impossible odds. And that's a tough place to be. So what I want you to do as we start this morning is to look at the situation through the eyes of a young lady named Katniss Everdeen. I want you to see her prepare to go to this lottery uh, grouping and talk with a friend of hers. And then I, I want you to see a conversation she has uh, as time passes with the president of the Capitol who further tries to intimidate her and cause her to lose hope. Watch these clips. Could do it, you know. Take off, live in the woods, what we do anyway. They'd catch us. Well, maybe not. Cut out our tongues or worse. We wouldn't make it five miles. No, I'd get five miles. I'd go that way. <laughs> I have Prim, and you have your brothers. They can come, too. Prim in the woods. <laughs> or maybe not. You're never having kids. Not mine. If I didn't live here. But you do live here. I know, but if I did, 
Oh, I forgot. Here. Oh, my God. Is this real? Yeah, it better be. Cost me a squirrel. <gasps> Happy Hunger Games. And may the odds be ever in your favor. How many times did your name in today? 42. Guess the odds aren't exactly in my favor. Welcome, welcome. Happy Hunger Games. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Now, the time has come for us to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th annual Hunger Games. As usual, Ladies first. your name? Katniss Everdeen. Well, I bet my hat that was your sister, wasn't it? Yes. Let's have a big hand for our very first volunteer, Katniss Everdeen. from District 12 of all places can defy the capital and walk away unharmed, what is to prevent them from doing the same? What is to prevent, say, an uprising that can lead to revolution? And then in a fraction of time, the whole system collapses. It must be a fragile system if it can be brought down by just a few berries. Yes, it is indeed. 
but not in the way you imagine it. How should I imagine? You should imagine thousands upon thousands of your people dead. This town of yours reduced to ashes. Imagine it gone, made radioactive, buried under dirt as if it had never existed like District 13. You fought very hard in the games, Miss Everding. But they were games. Would you like to be in a real war? No. Good. Neither would I. Do convince me. For the sake of your loved ones. It's emotional, and it should be. Uh, impossible odds are like that. They, they hit us hard. So, before we dig too deep in the Hunger Games, I really want to talk about you. Because you're going to hit some impossible odds somewhere along the way. Many of you may be facing them now. It may be something along the lines of a financial crisis, uh, a major health problem. Uh, you may be looking at the loss of someone that was very, very dear to you. Impossible odds come and they, they try to derail us. And uh, there are occasions, by God's grace, where um, we find what we need to get through them. And this morning, I want to talk about what it looks like to get through them. Because uh, impossible odds happen not just in the movies, but they happen in real life. And people beat impossible odds not just in the movies, but in real life. So as we look at Katniss and we look at uh, Peter, the boy from District 12 this morning in this movie, I want us to look at a biblical hero who beat impossible odds. Uh, a nobody named Caleb, who just happened to be volunteered at the right time and the right place. Now, Caleb's story picks up after what most of you have probably seen in a movie like uh, The Prince of Egypt or the, the Bible miniseries. It happens when after Moses um, frees the people from Egypt. And uh, these people, this new nation that's just getting formed, Israel, they have journeyed across the Middle East into what is present-day Judea, Palestine area, and they're um, looking to go into that land. They've been living in tents. They've been eating bread and water. Uh, so their situation is very much like the people in these districts. And what they do, uh, it's scary how this lines up, just kind of fun ways, but they pick 12 guys, one from each tribe of the nation, 12 districts, 12 volunteers. I don't know, it's just a weird correlation. But... Uh, they pick 12 guys, and they say, yeah, you, you can go on the dangerous death mission for us, you know, place of honor. Yeah, right. Uh, Caleb happens to be one of these guys. These guys go into the land, they spy it out, they come back, and here's their depressing news. The land is beautiful. It has, it's green, it's lush, and, uh, and there's, there's, it's awesome. But the people in it, we, we, can't put a, we can't drive out the people in it. It's impossible for us. It's, it's death if we go in. So let's just turn around, let's go back through the wilderness, let's just go back to slave labor in Egypt. I can't make this stuff up, it's ridiculous. Um, let me read you their words. Uh, actually, we got them up on the screens. It says, that this is their response. It says, the land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw are men of great size. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seen the same to them. So... Uh, then the whole community broke into loud cries, and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron, and the whole community told them, if only we had just died in Egypt, or if you would just let us die in the wilderness. 
Why is the Lord bringing us into a land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us just to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, you know, let's just appoint a leader and we'll just go back. For them, there are two options. Slavery or death. For the people of the Hunger Games, it looks exactly the same. We can stay where we're at in poverty, in hard labor, letting the capital control everything. Or we can fight and die. It looks that way until a leader steps up and gives the people something crucial. Gives them hope. Gives them hope. Katniss becomes that person in the Hunger Games. In our story in the Bible, Caleb becomes that person. He gets up, he tries to interrupt, and he basically says, we can do this. We can do this. And though it takes a little while for those messages to catch on, they are powerful messages. Hope is a dangerous thing. In fact, the president you saw at the end of this first clip has two conversations with the people leading these um, gladiator competitions about hope. And I want to hear you, I want to hear, I want you to hear how dangerous he feels this concept is. So watch President Snow. Seneca, why do you think we have a winner? What do you mean? I mean, why do we have a winner? Hope. Hope? Hope. It is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective. A lot of hope is dangerous. A spark is fine, as long as it's contained. So... So, contain it. Look at them. She's not who they think she is. She's not a leader. She just wants to save her own skin. It's as simple as that. I think that's true. But she's become a beacon of hope for the rebellion. And she has to be eliminated. I agree she should die, but in the right way. At the right time. It's moves and counter moves. That's all we gotta look at. Canis Everdeen is a symbol. They're mocking Jay. They think she's one of them. We need to show that she's one of us. We don't need to destroy her, just the image. Then we let the people do the rest. What do you propose? Shut down the black markets, take away what little they have, then double the amount of floggings and executions, put them on TV, broadcast them live. So fear, more fear. It won't work. Fear does not work as long as they have hope, and Katniss Everdeen is giving them hope. She's engaged. Make everything about that. What kind of dress is she going to wear? Floggings. What's the cake going to look like? Executions. Who's going to be there? Fear. Blanket coverage. Shove it in their faces. Show them that she's one of us now. 
<laughs> they're going to hate her so much, they might just kill her for you. Brilliant. So you see the power of hope evolving here. And the reason I love the Hunger Games in, in, in two respects, one big one is that it's not about a single battle and a single conflict. You know, so often Hollywood takes one movie and they build this up to one fight, and then when the fight is over, the movie's over and the story is over. But the Hunger Games isn't like that. In fact, it gets more complicated. Katniss and, and Peter, the, the couple from District 12, they end up surviving the Hunger Games together, which is, it defies um, the capital's wishes. And so it begins to give the people hope. But for Katniss and for Peta, it just sets them up for a bigger calamity, a bigger problem. And you know what? That's exactly what impossible odds are like, aren't they? I mean, one thing hits you and you think, all right, I'm shocked, I got it, you cry, but you adjust. It's when two or three things come in a row that you begin to get beat down and you begin to do what they're trying to get the citizens to do, which is go back into survival mode and forget that there's any hope beyond slavery or death. Uh, in ministry, we talk about this all the time. We talk about how bad things a lot of times come in threes. So a lot of times I get a prayer request, man, I pray for you, but I pray not only for the situation you're in, but for anything else that comes along. Because it's the next thing that will derail you, not the big first thing that hits you. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's just so true for what we're doing and where we're going in life. So that's what impossible odds look like. And for me, that's why hope is crucial. Hope is crucial. Because you know what? Luck runs out. Your strength, it'll fade. But hope is one of those things that gets you to persist in the midst of those situations. For Caleb, the hero in our biblical story, it, gets, it takes the nation 40 years to get their head on straight and get to this land that God has promised them. 40 years. And the thing that sustains him in those 40 years is hope because he knows what God has promised and he's confident that they will get there. The people just can't get it right. The other thing I love about the Hunger Games that I want you to see as we unpack this story is that it's not about perfect leaders or heroes. It's really not. Katniss is a mess. I'm just going to tell you, if you haven't seen the movies, you're in for a mess. So she is angry, she's bitter, so she's fearful, and when the president threatens her, she's ready to do whatever it takes. She actually is the one who lacks hope in these first two movies, if you can believe that. She's giving the people hope out of, by, based on her example, but she doesn't have any of herself. And the most telling moment in these movies when that happens is when she comes back from the first games, the one she's won, and she has a conversation with Gail, the gentleman we saw at the beginning in the first clip. And she talks about running away like he had suggested. And she has no hope, so she's ready to run. But he has hope. And it has changed his decision. Watch this clip. When did you... We need to talk. Where are we going to run away? Into the woods, like we always talked about. If we leave right now, we're going to be far away from here by tonight. Yeah, who's we? You, me, and your fiancé? It's not just me and Peta anymore. It's no threat to have you killed. Anyone else? Well, you didn't exactly give me a copy of the list, but a good guess it includes both of our families. Unless what? You and Peter get married? Unless nothing now. 
Gail, we can do it. You said to yourself that we could do it the morning of the reaping. What do you say now? Do you love me? Kayla, you know how I feel about you. But I can't think about anyone that way right now. The only thing that I can think about every day, every waking moment since the reaping is how afraid I am. There's no room for anything else. But maybe if we got away from here, if we went somewhere safe, it could be different. I could be different. You think maybe the president's bluffing? He's not bluffing. Not with what's going on in the districts. What do you mean? What did you see? There were people fighting in the streets, and fires and peacekeepers were cutting them down, but the people were... What? The people were what? They were fighting back. What's happening? It's finally happening. I should have just eaten the berries in the arena and died like I was supposed to, then everything would be back to normal and everyone would be safe. Safe for what? To starve? Work like slaves? Send their kids to the reaping? You haven't heard people, Katniss. You've given them an opportunity. They just have to be brave enough to take it. There's already talk in the minds. People want to fight. We have to go, Gail, before they kill us. They will kill us. What about the other families? Huh? The ones who stay. What happens to them? People are looking at you, Katniss. I don't want anyone looking to me. I can't help them. you want. I'm staying here. So you see hope really begin to transform somebody like Gail. So, and, uh, and what I want you to see is, again, it's not about being perfect. None of the leaders in question here are perfect. And you don't have to be perfect either to beat impossible odds. In fact, that's our big idea today. The big idea is that God's hope allows imperfect people to beat impossible odds. God's hope allows imperfect people to beat impossible odds. That can be you and that can be me. In this story, you see Gail begin to get hope. In the biblical story, Caleb is a man of hope. Uh, unlike Katniss, he, he holds that hope hard. Uh, he is young and he is hopeful when uh, he first enters the land and he's in Gail's place. And we catch up with him after the nation has turned its head around 40 years later and we find he's the same man then as he was 40 years before. In fact, he's, get this, he's 85 years old. They are fighting battles to claim the land that God has given them. And he is at the front lines fighting. This is your modern-day Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right? Your modern-day Sylvester Stallone. You know, if they were to come to him and say Rocky Seven, he'd be like, yes, I'm in, all right? I got this. 85 years old, kicking butt and taking names. It's, it's, it's hilarious, and I want to read you his words, because I think it's just, um, it's awesome, it's hilarious, but it's also true to the hope that he held all of those years in what he says. Here's, here's his words to Joshua. As you see, the Lord has kept me alive 45 years as he promised, ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. My strength for battle and my strength just for doing daily stuff is now what it was then. Give me the hill country the Lord promised on that day. You heard that the Anaikim are there, as well as in large fortified cities. The Lord will be with me. I'll drive them out. God promised. Bring it, essentially, at 85 years old. That's cool, and that's what hope does. 
It gets us through tough times. It sustains us through the long term. It makes us heroes because a hero is one who endures. Hero is one who endures. So I, uh, I love this, and I love the story of Caleb, and I hope that you will not only get excited about maybe seeing the Hunger Games for the first time or um, watching it again, but that you'll go home and you'll pick up this story. That you'll get um, the discussion guide through our, our app, through our website, on the tables out there, and that you'll unpack the scripture yourself and with your kids and let God speak to you personally and what this means. Because we have such incredible things that don't always make it into the movies that are right here in a book that's written by over 40 authors that was written over thousands of years that all say that God is involved in our world, that God wants to be involved in your world, and that God wants you as an imperfect people person to use hope to beat impossible odds. Now, some of you are a little upset. I'm, I understand that. So I'm talking about the Hunger Games. I haven't even shown a clip with PETA in it. Uh, you know, Gail, I'm not talking about relationships or any of that. There are a lot of stories going on in this. But hope is central to these first two movies. So central, in fact, that the people who were advertising this built their trailers around hope. And I just thought it was cool as I built this message and looked at using the Hunger Games that these kind of messages were already embedded. Watch a trailer, just YouTube, that I found about the Hunger Games catching fire. stronger than fear. I do like that statement. There's only one thing I fear about that statement. I don't want you to walk away thinking that our hope and the thing that sustains us as, as people, uh, God's people, as people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ is like hope in general. Because hope in general is, is kind of a poor thing. Hope in general is the hope you have when uh, you pull up your jersey, you get your season tickets, and you start rooting for your favorite sports team. Why? Because if you're like the people rooting for Brazil in the World Cup, well, your hope's gone. I'm just, I mean, let's not even talk about it, all right? If you're, uh, if you're like my wife, who's a huge Rangers fan, you're, I mean, they have just, you know, they just stomped your hope this year. I mean, it's, it's bad. The world's hope looks like that sometimes. The capital could win. We don't know. We haven't seen the rest of the movies. So, but God's hope is victory. God's hope is certain. God's hope can't fail. Let me read you what somebody in the time of Jesus wrote about God's hope because I think he put it in some really cool words. Uh, here's, here's how he portrayed it. He said this. He said, God can't break his word. And because his word can't change, the promise is unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason 
to grab hope with both hands and never let go. Let me say it a little bit differently. God never breaks a promise. God never, never, never breaks a promise. Did you know that? You may have, like me, you may have thought God promised you something he didn't. And you may think he has. I've made that mistake many a times in my life. God, you promised me an easy life. That's nowhere in there, unfortunately. I've looked. So, um, You may, uh, like a child, you may have confused the way God's promises work. Ever had your kids say, Mom, you promised. Dad, you promised. What are they saying, right? Yeah, we, we did. We made them a promise. We said, we'll do this. But they're thinking it's in their timing. They're thinking they control when it happens, right? And it hasn't happened when they wanted it to happen, so they think it's broken. And it's not. And sometimes we do that with God. See, that's, that's what hope really is. If you want to define it, hope is this. It's absolute certainty that God will do what he said he was going to do. But you don't know when, and you don't know how. You just know one day, we'll get there. That's what hope looks like. That's why hope sustains us. And that's why hope can't be broken. Because God is in control of the universe. He knows the past and the present. And he, when he makes a promise, knows exactly how it'll get fulfilled and exactly how it'll work. Now, there are two pieces of hope that I want you to leave with and know for sure that you've got. For those um, who were in relationship with God, we know this. We know that Jesus, his purpose in coming was to do what Katniss did for her sister. He was the citizen who stepped in front of us and said, no, I'll go to the games. I'll face certain death. I'll take the punishment of a traitor because we're all in some respects traitors. We've all looked at God and said, you know what? I want my own way. I want my own thing. Forget you. At some point, we've done that. And Jesus comes in and he says, I'll take the punishment. I'll go to the games. And they can have my place, not in the evil empire, but in a world where those kind of defiances don't, no longer exist. We have heaven as hope. One day we will go to a place where there is no more hurt, there's no sadness, there's no physically weak bodies anymore. Those things will be gone. One day we are certain of that. Those of us who know and have accepted the fact that Jesus stepped into our place, that's guaranteed. And, and knowing that there's going to be a place where there's no sickness, no sadness, no weak bodies, that helps sustain us in a world where we're weak, where we're sad, where we're hurt. Heaven is hope for certain. The more exciting hope for me to this morning, the more exciting promise is that God is with us. See, those of us who are in Jesus, we know this. God promised to take his Holy Spirit, his very presence, and put it in your life. And God lives inside of you. And he speaks to you. The way I think if Katniss were here this morning, and let's just say she was a follower of Jesus, the way she would describe this, is she would say, you know how in the Hunger Games, the people from my districts, they watched my every move. And they were cheering for me. And when I fell down, they were urging me to get back up and persist. That's the way God watches your life. That's the way God is involved in your life. He is cheering for you. He is urging you to get up when you fall down. God does that. And maybe you're not real good at hearing his voice. Maybe you haven't heard his voice in here, so it's hard to hear it in real life. But he does that. That's the awesome thing about God. And I think that's what Caleb knew that sustained him for all of those years. For me, practically, I've had a kind of a rough year. Okay, I've had multiple financial things come in and just hammer uh, Stacy and my budget. 
So I've got a newborn, and I've never been a father, and I've not been around kids very much. So my world is upside down right now in terms of trying to arrange things. And that's a good thing, but it's tough. And for me, what I need so often is to run to God for my strength because he's promised to be with me. He's promised to give me strength. A couple thousand years ago, a guy named Isaiah was in a very difficult time, and he was writing very difficult things about rough circumstances in the world, but he wrote something that I keep right up in my head to remind me of God's promise. I want to read you just the way he said it because I think it's awesome, and maybe it'll stick with you the way it sticks with me. He says this. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary. There's no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. Young people may faint, grow weary. Young men may stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that verse. And I keep it up here because I need to hear it. I need not just the idea that God is with me, not just the um, thought that uh, he's sustaining me, but I, I need to hear it. I need a promise. I need something to cling to with both hands and never let go. And for me, that's, that's my verse. And I think it would be Caleb's verse if he were here with us today. 85, kicking butts, taking names. I think that would be his verse. What I want you guys to grasp today a, if, if you're here and you're hearing this and you're going, but I don't, I don't even know the first step. I don't even know, I don't understand what Jesus did. Please, get us in conversation. You've seen our number on the text. You can grab us in the hallways. We would love to talk you through why Jesus is so crucial to what we do. But beyond that, if you're here and you're facing impossible odds or you're pretty certain that one day you will have to face them, my suggestion is grab these pieces of hope with both hands in a way that you'll never let go. These things are the hope that might sustain you through a financial crisis, bankruptcy, if you have to walk through losing everything. Many of us do in this life. This may be the thing that gives you the strength to keep pouring into a marriage that just ain't working right right now, or keep pouring into a kid who's ready to get out the door, who could care less about you, but who needs to know that your love will never fail. Because again, your luck's going to run out, your strength's going to fail, but hope can sustain you. Jesus truly is the Katniss Everdeen of our world. He has stepped into history. He has beat the evil capital. And he is spreading hope. And as we close, I'm going to pray that you are able to grasp that hope and that someday you come along and you take a place in the revolution and you start spreading that hope as well. Pray with me. Father God, you are an awesome, awesome God. And uh, it took me a long time to realize where my hope comes from and what you were trying to teach me, Father. But when I did, it changed everything. And I see it changing the world all around me. I pray you give each person here strength, God. I pray that you will give them something to cling to that reminds them of your promises, of heaven, of, of being with us, and of strength, God. Uh, I ask that you will just walk us through this next week as a people of hope, God, and let it transform not just this world, but our home, our workplace, and Clarksville. It's in Jesus' name I pray.